0: Hello, it is Thursday, February 6th, 2020. Damn good show coming down the pipe. And it is sponsored to you by our good friends at SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the greatest ticket buying platform on planet Earth and... Nobody's around me but the moon. If you're going to buy tickets right here on planet Earth to any live event, any live event, musician, comedian sporting event, XFL game, anything you possibly need tickets to, Seeky's got the tickets for you, and they got them at the best value because they scan all the other ticket-buying platforms to make sure you're getting the best value for the tickets that you buy. And right now, you use promo code PAT, you get $10 off. Promo code McAfee, you get $20 off. That's wild. They're just giving away shit. Valentine's Day is right around the corner. Give the gift of a live event. You're alive, but are you living? Go live and experience something live with our friends. That's SeatGeek. I feel like I went pretty well. SeatGeek is literally the best fucking ticket buying app ever. So you should utilize it and enjoy your life a little bit. All right, let's get to it. It is the baseball world that are stealing the headlines today and last night. To talk about that is our baseball correspondent, our baseball specialist, Teichman. Let's talk about some baseball.
1: Absolutely. So the Boston Red Sox, uh, they've been in the news obviously quite a bit lately. They're cheaters. Uh, They just fired their manager. Everyone knows that. They just traded (laughs) Mookie Betts and David Price, arguably their two best players, Mookie Betts Two years removed from an MVP season. Only player in MLB history to win an MVP, a silver slugger, a gold glove, and the batting title and a World Series in the same year. Only player that's ever done that. They just got rid of him, traded him to the Dodgers along with David Price, who's a Cy Young winner, one of their best pitchers. In return... The Dodgers are giving up two, or not two, but their best prospect arguably in their system, a young outfielder who's really good they're hoping is going to be able to replace Mookie Betts, and they're also getting a very good pitching prospect from the Twins. They're going to have both these guys under control for the next like five to six years, but basically you're, you're trading two perennial cornerstone pieces of your franchise for two huge unknowns. It's basically a salary dump. They're hitting the reset button, essentially. So it should be interesting to see how the uh, the Red Sox fare these next couple years. Now, the
0: Boston Red Sox, in my eyes, as a person that doesn't follow baseball as much, I always thought the Red Sox were a prominent name in the MLB world, right? I remember their celebrations. I remember Big Poppy being all over the place. I guess that's like 10 years removed from that type of situation.
1: Is that accurate? Uh, somewhat. They did just, they won a World Series in 2018, so they oh. yeah, <laughs> so they, they were very good Mookie Betts being a huge part of that. But obviously. they
0: won, right, with the guy that came from the Astros potentially with the garbage can signal thing is that right
1: Correct exactly so and i think that's a big reason why they're kind of cleaning house right now if they would have never fired Alex Cora and all this stuff would have came up i don't think they necessarily are looking to unload these guys as quick Mookie Betts wanted like 400 million dollars and the Red Sox have already offered him a, an extension twice not near where he wanted so they're probably going to lose him anyway but with Alex Cora being fired and all this, you know, like the, the storm surrounding him, they just decided to restart right now.
0: And you got to hit rock bottom to completely hit the refresh button. It feels like they took the game out. They blur- they're blowing on it currently, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then they're putting it back in so that if they do have success, just like with the Black Sox scandal and all these other situations, you have to start a new chapter, I would assume is how they view it from a PR standpoint. Not a bad move, but, boy, it stinks that the Boston teams currently stink. And also, last night, uh, little motor, uh, Connor Campbell <laughs> – even tweeted Tom Brady was seen moving his stuff out of his house in Boston with reports of Giselle being in Nashville looking at uh, schools and houses with Frable, potentially at the Las Vegas Raiders, potentially at the Los Angeles Chargers, potentially at the Miami Dolphins, potentially at this place, and potentially at that place. Boston fans right now are relying solely on the Boston Bruins getting them a win this year and if they don't do that I think we're entering a potential phase of Boston Connor entering what Evan Fox's life has been like for the last 24 years I don't think he can handle it I really don't no we all know he can't he won't but it'll be fun to watch Gumpy you're a big-time Boston Red Sox fan are the Boston Red Sox officially dead at this moment
2: uh it's a very tough situation you offered them 200 million a few years ago you then offer him 300 million this year and he turns it down and wants 420. If he re-signs with the Dodgers, it will be a bad trade, but he's always said he wants to test free agency, though that's kind of when I'll judge it.
0: I'm a big fan of the MLB turning into professional wrestling, by the way. Uh, we got scandals, we got garbage cans, we got robots, we got buzzers, we got this, we got big-time players just getting traded out of the city that they've made a household names in. We got. Oh, I like MLB trying their best to become relevant. Look what we did. We just let off the show with this because the Boston Red Sox took one for the entire MLB and said, listen, we'll get rid of our best guys. If that's going to generate some news and some buzz, we'll do that. Nobody knows that pitchers and catchers report in like a seven days. Nobody has a clue of that. The Red Sox are like, listen, we'll go hand up. We'll get rid of our best guys. We'll suck for the good of the greater league. And I can appreciate and respect
2: that. Alex Cora was also fired for what he did with the Astros, not cheating with the Red Sox.
0: (laughs) Alex Cora was the guy who came directly from the Astros to the Red Sox. Then the Red Sox went on to do the exact same thing that the Astros did, have hitting records, uh, home records, and win the World Series. Is that accurate?
2: No buzzers and no buckets were heard in Fenway. The investigation (laughs) is almost done.
1: They were big on Apple watches, the Red Sox.
2: So were the Yankees. <laughs>
1: oh yeah. Whoa. But they didn't get caught. No one's talking about that.
2: Chris <laughs> Young told the Red Sox he learned it all from the Yankees when this all started. Not a surprise.
0: Oh. Anyways, baseball's dead. Let's move forward. Uh, Dodgers
3: have to win now, though.
0: Dodgers have to Dodgers
3: They were loaded already. They're already the best team in the NL. Yep. Now. By the way, they I am now
0: won. I am now officially a Dodgers fan.
3: Kershaw's going to blow it again. I was
0: a Yankees fan back in the day when they just spent all the money on everybody, okay? I'm like, you know what? I understand that people probably hate this, but I grew up in a town with the Pittsburgh Pirates, and Pittsburgh Pirates stink. They've gotten worse. They stink, stink, stunk, and their ownership is the worst in all of professional sports. I understand that some people say maybe the Dolan family are there with the Knicks, or, or maybe the Mets family is bad, and I understand that because it's a big city, and if they suck, a lot more people know about it. Just dive into what the Pittsburgh Pirates ownership has done. For, I don't know, the last 10... 40 years whatever you want to do they stink so whenever i saw that a team was trying to win in this baseball game this game that to be honest i always found a bit boring but i like whenever people are trying their outright best to win i became a yankees fan then uh the old man the boss or whatever what is his name george steinbrenner yeah what was his nickname though yeah boss the boss whenever he passed and his kids said we're not going to do that anymore we're not just going to dump all of our money into players i'm like okay well i'm out on you guys then right I, I, i want a team that wants to just completely go bankrupt to win sounds like that's the dodgers now and i am a big fan of the la dodgers all of a sudden
1: the yankees are back They're as still well the yankees, yeah they you know? just they just spent more money on one guy than the uh pirates entire payroll yeah.
0: so <laughs> maybe i'm back on the yankees i don't know but i like those people that go all in attempting to win good for baseball um nba is also happening big big news for our guy zion last night people are saying he potentially got humbled i guess gumpy is that accurate
2: yeah Giannis blocked him a few times he did rip the ball right out of Giannis's hands though
0: Which is a man thing to do. I guess the uh, Milwaukee Bucks are on pace to potentially be the best, most winning NBA team in the history of the NBA. Is that accurate?
2: Yep. The Celtics aren't far behind, though, in the East. Uh, That's just not true. That's exactly true.
3: I mean, they're they're nowhere close to the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks are on pace to be the quickest to earn a playoff spot in the history of the NBA.
0: Okay, even the Golden State Warriors a couple of years ago, Correct. whenever they were hot,
3: the
2: Warriors got hmm. they clinched on February 25th. How many losses do the Bucks have this season, Tony? Seven, six. How many losses do the Warriors have that whole season, Tony? Eight. Hmm.
0: These games, I mean, these sports stick. Just let me know whenever we get to it. The All-Star break, someone's here for the NBA. Yep. MLB pitchers and catchers report in six days. There's some storylines happening and all that. But obviously, this particular show is going to continue to talk about the NFL because it's what we know most about. Oh, yeah. Right now, there's a lot of conversation about Dak Prescott, obviously. Right now, there's a lot of conversation about what's going to happen with Patrick Mahomes. I would like to dive into the thought of what other sports shows are asking questions of. Whether it's a get-up-in-the-morning or pro football talk or first things first or all these things on our televisions we have them up every single morning in some of the bottom lines that we have zito create ask these questions (laughs) is to set them up for answers that are very interesting questions and i was like you know what that's something we should do and instead of creating our own
3: questions we just stole
0: some of theirs digs would you like to ask us some questions from other sports shows?
3: i'd love to Should Dak sit out if he gets franchised?
0: So I don't think Dak should sit out if he gets franchise tagged. First things first, it's $27 million guaranteed, okay? It is a guaranteed payday. I got franchise tagged uh, after my rookie contract because the general manager wasn't the biggest fan of mine. I think he wanted to send me out of town. Mr. Ursay said, brother, Mac, if he's not going anywhere. (laughs) So they franchise tagged me the next morning, okay? And I couldn't sign that thing quicker. Right. I, I, as soon as I heard about it, I was like, "How much am I getting? Two point what million guarantee?" They're like, "Yeah." I'm like. Pff that's more money than I deserve that's more money than I could have ever imagined getting and I signed it immediately now everybody knows that the franchise tag is the average of the top five salaries at your position without any bonuses right so for instance for me it was kickers and punters top five without any bonuses and it was two point something million at the time and I signed it quickly because I was like yo I'm, I'm becoming a millionaire as soon as I signed this thing this is awesome never expected I think we're actually on a flight to Canada for Nick's little brother's birthday we're going to Niagara Falls because he turned Nineteen. Okay, so I got a text message basically saying I'm getting franchise tag. We are in Canada, and I looked around and I said, "I'm a millionaire. <laughs> I'm a millionaire. Let's go have a great time. We got all the loonies and toonies in the town." Now, I once again, just like the day I got drafted, I didn't understand that a signing bonus that the money doesn't just hop into your account like as soon as you sign your name. It took a little bit, so I was almost broke. But I mean, we went for it in Canada, and for me, for Dak Prescott, this is a guy who has outplayed his pay. I mean, everybody knows him. He retired Tony Romo. He has performed at a level that you could have never guessed that he was going to perform for where he was drafted. He hasn't made a lot of money on the field in comparison to other quarterbacks who have done what Dak Prescott has done. Now, going into a contract, the coach that you've had getting fired is a wild move for you, okay? So for me, going into my contract year, Jim Caldwell gets fired, Whole new coaching staff, whole new general manager thing. Even in high school, going into my senior year of soccer, coach gets fired, see you later. In college, going into my senior year, coach gets leaves new coaching staff, see you later. It's just one of those things where... Whenever you have a new GM, a new coach, whatever, they don't have a new GM, a new coach, you have to reprove yourself, and those people have visions of what they think the future is supposed to be. I would assume that this franchise tag is much more McCarthy's decision than it is Jerry Jones' decision. I would assume that Mike McCarthy is saying, hey, I would like to know how I like this guy, how we get along. Before we sign this guy up for a five-year massive deal, I would like to know that I get along with him. Now, many people are saying, well, if Dak gets franchise tag, he should just hold out because he deserves more I agree I think Dak has done everything you could possibly do to deserve and earn a massive contract it just so happens that the situation that he's currently in with a new head coach a new set of coaches around him now Kevin Moore stays but everything like that I think this is going to have to be yet again for Dak Prescott another prove it year for Dak now I don't think it's fair I don't think it's right. I just think that's the situation that he's in. Now, would you take $27 million guaranteed if you're Dak Prescott? I know I would. Now, am I anywhere near the position that Dak Prescott's in for potentially getting a hundred and some million dollar contract, which is what he owes? I I agree, he deserves that. But in this particular situation, I think you sign it. I think you continue to prove that you're an outright baller. You make a lot of money off the field because you're. Still the Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback. You build up a relationship with Mike McCarthy, and then you get broken off after next season, especially if they get to the playoffs. Jerry Jones, in that magical interview he did while promoting um, Salvation Army, Army, he said, I I just want to win a game, okay? I just want to win games. My hand does not get cramps when it's writing checks. I think if you go back in history, though, he didn't want to pay Tony Romo. He didn't want to pay this guy. He didn't want to pay – sometimes it's not the cramp that gets in there, but it's – he definitely gets mind blocked whenever he wants to do it. It's a massive amount of money whenever you're dominating a quarterback, and I think they want to make sure McCarthy and Dak are a good fit. But if I'm Dak, I don't ruin anything that I had going this past season. This past season, he was a much better quarterback than he had been in years past. Let's continue to ride that train. Let's not get rusty. Let's dominate and know that on the other side, there's a massive contract coming. Or you can just sit out, chill, and then there's this massive question mark on who's going to want to pay a guy that chose to sit out an entire year because he didn't want to make $27 million guaranteed. It's like a Lev Bell type situation. Lev Bell wanted to sit out for this, sit out for that, and he ended up in the end not really getting as much as he had hoped. He did get thirty-seven million guarantee, but he was nowhere near the player that he was before that. I think Dak. It sucks. It absolutely sucks the situation he's in, but I think he's he's got to play and get that twenty-seven mil
3: for Dak. He's made four point seven, and then if he gets tagged and gets twenty-seven, he'll be up over thirty. But. So how does the insurance policy work? What if he plays on that franchise tag year and has like an Alex Smith type injury and he can never play again?
0: So I got a Lloyds of London uh, insurance policy on my legs whenever I was franchise tagged. And it's quite a hustle, man. I mean, I had to pay like $50,000 for this thing, but it was a $15 million Mm -hmm. insurance policy. And the only way I would have got this Lloyds of London insurance policy, you know, and and you you feel like an idiot if you don't get it. The only way I would have got it is if I couldn't have physically kicked a ball for 12 months. So I would have to have an Alex Smith-type injury. Mm-hmm. I would have to have a lawnmower soft my leg. <laughs> and if it did, I would have got $15 million, boom, on the spot 12 months later. But you have to get okayed by all these doctors. Like, hey, he couldn't have performed. He couldn't have performed. He couldn't have performed. It has to get all that checked. But I assume he's going to get a Lloyds of London or whatever. I assume he's going to get that. But it is it is exactly what you said. It has to be like an Alex Smith-type mm-hmm. injury. It can't be because he sucks and ruins his future uh, earnings. It can't because he gets hurt for a couple games during the season, which could potentially hurt mm-hmm. his future. It has to be like a career-ending devastating injury to get your money. And I signed up for it because everybody around me said it was a smart decision and it was uh, $50,000 down the drain. <laughs> but uh, I would have got it. I would have got it if it wouldn't happen. happened. So I assume he'll do that, and I think Dak should play. And I'm excited for these chips to continue to stack on Dak's mm-hmm. shoulder because I think last year was his best year yet, and I can't wait to see what he does with Mike McCarthy, who has been notoriously great with quarterbacks and offenses. Now, towards the end there with Aaron Rodgers, obviously got a little bit um, discontent between them, but I think if you look back at Mike McCarthy's offense, you look back at what he's been able to do with quarterbacks. I think Dak's going to have his best year yet next
1: year. Obviously, the situation's different because it's a different guy's money, but I wonder if he looks to it like Zeke this past year It's like we got a new Coaching staff The last thing we need To start off this season Is a bunch of drama And like a media circus Surrounding me n- Not playing this year And holding out Well and
0: what if they go on And win the Super Bowl And he has a year like Patrick Mahomes He gets 200 million Instead of what he's supposed to get Right sure. You got all these people That are like Yo he, he's owed This could also Let's flip it on It's other side here <laughs> What if he plays better Than he's ever played And he somehow earns himself Even more money That Which is possible Especially with the jump That Dak Prescott made From the year before To this past year I'm excited to see What he does next year joining us now bringing two boxes of the best pizza in america oh my god this guy grew up in a town right next to us he did he and i lived very different lives he would go on to become an absolute physical specimen in the greatest defensive player to potentially ever play in the nfl he just got broken off by the rams last year well-deserved By all accounts, the best defensive player in the NFL. D-tackle from the Los Angeles Rams. He trains with knives in the (laughs) offseason. Here on behalf of Pizza Hut, ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Donald.
4: Let's go. (laughs) How are you, man? Uh, I'm doing real good, man. Can't complain. Just, you know, just working. That chain is beautiful. I appreciate it. No problem. You deserve
0: every single thing about it. We grew up in Plum, so we very much appreciate and respect the hell out of where you come from and what you've been able to do. I need to ask this question immediately. When you started training with knives, how did we get to that? Like, how did we just dive straight into the knife training?
4: Oh, It's plastic knives. It wasn't real knives. Oh, no,
0: no, no.
5: no. Hey,
4: babe. You didn't didn't think that was real, did you? Oh, yeah. Oh,
5: no. (laughs)
4: <laughs> it was plastic <laughs> nah I ain't gonna play with no real knives but it's just something <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I ain't gonna play with no real knives but it's just something different you know just you know, outside of the box just trying to you know, find different ways to you know, just work different things and trying to find ways to get better. So, I got a
0: chance to watch Robert Mathis work for a long time, right? Robert Mathis, undersized guy, was out on the outside. His hands were what made him so good. His his ability to be able to knock an offensive lineman's hands down was something that made him great. Obviously, his ability to lean and everything like that. For you, I've talked to offensive linemen who've had to play you, and they have nightmares thinking about you. Your hands, you're quick, you're explosive, you're the entire package. At what point did you know that, hey, I'm going to be the most versatile to defensive lineman to ever play football (laughs) was that something you've always had in mind or was it just something you kept adding to your game and adding to your game
4: well well, over time you pick up different things as far as you know pass rush moves um um from learning from different coaches technique wise and 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 just you know learning and just absorbing things and you just as time go on you work different things you get better at it and then you you know you kind of Get, get your own little complete arsenal, your, your, your best thing that you're at, your, that you're great at as far as pass rushing to, you know, different things you got to do to try to split a double team. So over time, just learning, you know, having great coaches, having great, you know, teammates around me. So, um, you know, just been working. You know that the people on the other side of the ball are just scared to death of you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, s- sometimes. You know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is that something, though, that you know, like, because there's always been these mic'd up moments where, they show J.J. Watt, right? J.J. Watt mic'd up, and he'll go through the entire first quarter trying each offensive lineman, and then he'll go to the sideline. and he goes, I yeah. like the left guard today.
4: Is that something that you do as well? You'll find you fishy That's where you're going. You're going to try to stick there, but, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, but you, you know you're going to get a lot of attention regardless. You know, they're going to slide protection. They're going to try to find ways to slow you down so um, you don't have success to try to ruin the game. So um, definitely after this season, you know, you got a lot more attention, you know, uh, I always say that these teams made me work this year for my plays, so uh, it, it come with it, though. Come with it, so you just got to keep working and keep trying to find ways, to, you know. It's so it,
0: it's so interesting because being a dominant defensive lineman for so long, normally it was the outside guys, right? And the outside guys can rely on a one-on-one with the tackle, and then maybe a chip from a tight end yeah. or a running back hitting them, but they know at least what's coming. You in the middle there. You literally have no. idea. You can have three guys on you to even get moment. And I assume, by the way, it's only going to get worse for you as you <laughs> yeah. continue to go
4: here. Don't tell me that. Real nice. <laughs> but well, obviously inside you got less space to work, and you know um, you get a lot of hard slab protections, Meaning, you know, sometimes that tackle going choke down before you block out um, with a hard over slab with the guard, and then the center's running over hitting you hit right now. So that, that's a triple 10 right there. So um, and, and the, we, the space we got as far as interior guys is it, it, only a little bit. So. Um, just trying to find different ways to you know, do movements and things to are trying to free me up. You know, it's definitely a headache. You, know, it, you, you get tired of it after a while, but you know, like I said, it just comes with it. The, you're
0: one of the most dynamic athletes to ever grace our earth. That has to oh, feel pretty good.
4: No, I appreciate that. No,
0: you really are. I would assume you would have been an incredible tight end or anything else you wanted to do. You played D-line and dominated. This 49er rushing attack... Okay? When you're on the defensive line, for instance, what they did to the Green Bay Packers, they rushed for 186 yards before contact last week, or two weeks ago yeah. in the NFC Championship game. When you know that you're going to have a potential outright rushing attack coming against you, or at least a setup for it, does that change how that defensive line has to play, or are they just trying to make plays however they can make
4: it? you are trying to make plays. You know, you, you got a game plan, you stick with it. You obviously, you play with the guys, so you know how you guys play, and, you, and you're trying to play off each other, so... Um, you know, you, you want to stuff to run. And, and once you do that, you get an opportunity to get out to the quarterback, you know, once you pin them ears back and you know, you get the, you know, get out to the quarterback. That's when you have fun. You know, you do a lot of different things. You, you open up, you know, um, start running a little bit of games and you, you just get in mode from there. Do you talk trash out there? Yeah. Yeah. You got to <laughs> it's, it's football. early, early. Or is it once you get in? Uh... Uh, it, it depends. It depends. Sometimes early, sometimes, you know, through the game, sometimes, you know. Does
0: anybody in, engage back with you or are they all just trying to say, like, Mr. Donald?
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, some, sometimes they talk back, so. Yeah, yeah, Who do you, you have
0: know. a beef with that's an offensive lineman that he doesn't even know that you don't like him?
4: All of them.
3: <laughs> <laughs> First off, uh, if you could say hi to your brother Archie for me, he gave me one of my eight concussions. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep, yeah, you he, get, he gave yeah. me a concussion in high Hey, you, uh, you
0: gave this guy potential CT. Thanks, man.
3: <laughs> in high school, it's very nice of you. But you are so quick and so athletic, which makes you great on the D-line. Don't you think... They could give you the ball on the goal line a little bit?
0: Yeah, why aren't you with the fullback?
4: I've I've been trying for six years to try and get on the goal line package to get the ball. You know, I used to play fullback growing up. You know, I always thought I was going to be a running back. And then, you know, I kind of ate myself out that (laughs) position. um, You know, I I definitely, you know, tried, but, you know, they ain't letting it happen.
0: (laughs) One of my favorite videos of this year, I think ESPN did it. It was a story about you telling your dad that he can hang up his cleats or something like that I mean, yeah. you got, it brought like actual tears to my eyes I was like man that's a magical moment between you and your family you got your brother here do you feel as if it, an obligation almost give back not only your family but your community too at Penn Hills?
4: Oh for sure you know I feel like um, a lot of people helped mold me to who I am you know definitely my family my parents for sure you know so I had opportunity to do for them and, and, and come back to Penn Hills and just do things for the city period you know and help the young youth coming up you know that, that means a lot to me because I remember being a kid and. And just seeing an NFL player was big. So just being there, sometimes I get to train with some of the young kids, get to just talk to them, and just be around them. So, you know, they see me outside of football and get to, you know, get to know me personally. And I kind of, I kind of motivate them. Do you have a locker at Pitt? Yep. And I believe the whole weight room, Yeah, you have an entire weight room. And then the one guy wears
0: 97 because of you, I think, right? Mm -hmm. And then you, like, go back and actually, like, train them in the entire thing.
4: Yeah, Jalen, he was just training with me. Um, He trained with me twice since I've been back, so.
0: Now, not that the end of your career is anywhere near sight. Is that something you'll get into, though, is coaching and staying in the game? Or what do you think?
4: (sighs) I I, I never wanted to get into coaching, you know. I think I I, I will stay away from coaching. What are you going to do? I don't know. You know, right now it's just football. And then, you know, probably getting some business things from there, so.
0: How's LA, man? Everybody talks about Los Angeles getting a football team. Everybody thought, you know what? Los Angeles players won't be able to handle it. The Instagram Explore page is so deep out there (laughs) in Los Angeles. There's a lot of opportunity, there's a lot of options. I don't know how you guys have been able to stay focused on football out there in Los Angeles, but what is it like to be the team of Los Angeles right
4: now? Oh, it's good. You know, um, definitely you start, you know, doing what you probably do on the football field, you get a lot of support. You know, like you said, a lot of opportunities off the football field. Like right now I'm here with Pizza Hut, you know, been working with them for like two years now. So have had an opportunity to be, you know, open up and be with brands like that and, and get to, you know, be a part of things offside of football. So um, it's it been good. A lot of opportunities. Being the Pittsburgh guys, it, been, it was different, you know, the, <laughs> the big city of L.A. and California. But, um, you know, I've, I've been enjoying
0: it. Hey, we're a hard-working bunch of Pittsburgh, man. Yeah. We are.
4: You, yeah, oh that's just, that's just that just mentality.
0: Li- that is literally just in our blood, I think. Yeah. Terrible Iron City beer, <laughs> and then <laughs> just become an absolute animal. Your favorite pizza, is this accurate? Banana peppers, sausage and no sauce. No sauce. Oh, oh. come on.
4: That's it. That's it. Do um, you know how many amazing. Italians live in break? your,
0: and in, in, there's all, nothing but Italians in our part of the woods, right? <laughs> nothing but Italian people. Do they know that you order your pizza with no sauce, and have you done this since you were a child, or how does uh, this? I got
4: into it from my dad, you know, we um, used to get pizzas like that, always from Pizza Hut, so um, it's just something I, I just, you know, I liked and I enjoy, so, you know, on my cheat days, you know, I'm getting some Pizza Hut, and, and that's my, one of my favorite pizzas to get. That's ours as well.
1: Yeah, big yeah. time. Every Friday. Every Friday we Pizza
0: do it. Pizza for the boys. We do it every Friday. There you yep. go. Pizza and wings. The wings, by the way, don't get enough credit at Pizza Yeah. Line, I Amazing. Believe. Amazing. Hey, Aaron, you deserve everything that you're going to get, dude. I appreciate
4: Where it. Work your you. ass
0: off. That story about you and your dad, I mean, it was the gym in the basement to what you're probably doing now. You I built your own gym at a, a university downtown. Yeah. That's but, awesome.
4: you know, um, I remember I started working out when I was 12, you know. I started from, you know, working out at 1 o'clock, you know, to... You know eight o'clock in the morning to six o'clock to you know in high school waking up four thirty in the morning before school to just work you know so having a work ethic early i feel like you know it helped me to build who i am and, and become a pro before i was even you know i always say my dad was getting ready to be a pro before we even knew what he was doing so um you know getting that work ethic into me early man it just kind of like i just took it and ran and you know i kind of got addicted to it
0: what type of music you listen to
4: i listen a little bit everything
0: rap yeah who's your favorite rapper I really ain't got no favorite rapper. Young Jeezy said what's up to me earlier. just want to leave you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ladies and gentlemen, the most disruptive player on the defensive side of the ball potentially the NFL has ever seen from Western Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh to be exact, Aaron Donald here on behalf of Pizza Hut. Uh,
4: appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. Thank
0: you so much. Good luck with everything. All right. We got to get to a break here. Um, by the way, in person, hey, how much uh, this is like okay. such a ridiculous question to ask you. We're still alive. No, you don't have to have headphones on. You, uh, do we just do max out every day? Like, how do I?
4: No, I'm just working, man. Bicep, triceps, a little bit of core.
0: Like, did you lift today?
4: No, I didn't lift today. Well,
0: me neither. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. He is a specimen on a football field. Pizza, it's the best pizza chain that there is. I mean, we, there was a massive battle in our office just a week ago. I'm happy to know that Aaron Donald is on my side. Uh, the snowman is about to dap up with Aaron Donald. Is this going to happen? Yep. yep. Dap. Full dap. Yep. Jeezy didn't do that for People me. helping people. Jeezy didn't do that. I feel like we made that happen. Uh, I'm not sure we'll ever get thanked for it. Jeezy wanted a photo with Aaron Donald. He just turned his back on him and walked away. Oh, no. He's oh. a hut. Waits
1: for no man. <laughs> oh, no.
0: Oh, no. I mean, he's the most... Mr. Jeezy, you're the man. Hey, you are the best. You're the absolute best. <laughs> and it's Cuban Z. That's Cuban Z. Cuban Z. G-Z, and G-Z next G-Z album, loves next album, Cuban Z. I think we just got Zito <laughs> an ad lib on Jeezy's next album. So sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to let you know that every night, local police departments across America receive hundreds and hundreds I'm all by myself screaming in a room that's smaller than it should be because of my lady has fallen asleep. I'm trying not to wake her up. Hundreds of calls from burglar alarms. The vast majority of the time, though, they have no idea whether the alarm is real. Like, is there really a crime going on or not? All the alarm company can tell them is that a motion sensor went off. Simply Safe Home Security is different. If there's a break in, Simply Safe uses real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. That means police dispatch up to 350 percent faster than for a normal burglar alarm. That's That's very. That's very much faster, 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. You get comprehensive protection for your entire home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your home. Entry motion and glass break sensors guard inside. Plus, SimpliSafe protects your home from fires, water damage, and carbon monoxide poisoning. It's 24-7 monitoring by live security professionals. You can set up your system yourself. There are no tools needed. It's very simple, or SimpliSafe can do it for you. And it's only 50 cents a day with no contract for comfort of your home. Visit SimpliSafe.com McAfee. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. If you have nothing to lose, go now and be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash McAfee so they know that our show sent you. That's S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E.com slash M-C-A-F-E-E. We have these in the office. They're incredible. I have them in my house. It's awesome. You set them up. You have an app. Very easy to use. I got hustled into paying and this exuberant amount of money for this house uh, security system. Whenever I first moved into this house, I was, you know, I was a new homeowner. I didn't really know shit. I knew that I probably should have security because I don't know. There's probably stuff in here that I would like to keep. You know, a little safety. Whatever the case, and I got hustled into paying all this money, and it was intrusive. They came in my house. There's wires everywhere. Simply safe. You can set this shit up yourself. It's amazing. It's very, very good. I would recommend it to everybody. Simplysafe.com slash McAfee. Let's get back to the show. Joining us right now is a guy who is a head coach in the NFL. Prestigious position to be a head coach in the NFL. It's not easy to become this. This man was out there in Oakland for a while. Then he was with the Browns for a while. You might have seen him on Hard Knocks. They didn't display him in a beautiful light, but I don't think anybody who's ever coached at Cleveland has been displayed in a beautiful light. Ladies and gentlemen, friend of the show, Tequila founder, Hugh
6: Jackson. Hey Pat, it's always a pleasure to have an opportunity to talk to you.
0: Hugh, I, I've said this to people both on air and off air. After our conversation about a month ago, I have completely became a Hugh Jackson fan club member. I'm a big fan of yours, my brother.
6: Uh, Thank you. I really appreciate that.
0: No problem. You watch the Super Bowl, obviously, on Sunday. Every coach's dream, no matter when you coach, is to coach in the big game. Now, what is your biggest takeaway from that Chiefs-Niners game? Do you think that the Chiefs are beginning a dynasty right now and that offense is going to be powerful even after they have to pay Patrick Mahomes? Or do you think this Niners defense is going to be one that's going to be able to maintain the wins and Jimmy G is going to be a quarterback for winning in the future?
6: Well, I think it's a combination of everything you said. I think first of all, when you think about the Chiefs, obviously they got a very good young core of players, an unbelievable quarterback, a great coaching staff. You know their defense is starting to play really well too. I think uh, Coach Spagnola did a great job uh, from a defensive standpoint to put them in position to have a chance to win the game. But uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to be the key to the Kansas City Chiefs for years to come. Uh, When you go and you think about um, San Francisco, they had an opportunity to win a game. Uh, They were up, you know, in the fourth quarter, uh, up by a couple of scores, a score and a field goal, I believe, 10 points. They get a turnover. You think game over, you know, but it's uh, that's the time when the quarterback has to really show up. And I'm not going to say that Jimmy didn't. Uh, I don't have those answers because I'm not sure exactly what they were trying to accomplish. But it seemed like the game got away from them there. You know, and then all of a sudden you look up in uh, Kansas City with this quarterback who has this never say die attitude, finds a way to win the game. But in the future, is the San Francisco defense going to be real? Yes, because they're only going to improve and add to all the first rounders they have on that team. You know, they are a very talented defensive team. I think uh, Cal Shanahan, you know, obviously he's getting a little unfairly uh, criticized right now. He's a tremendous football coach. He won a lot of games. I I would challenge people to go back and see where San Francisco was, what, four years ago, you know, or five years ago, and look where they are now. And and hopefully he'll get it uh, back to where they need to be so they can make the Super Bowl this upcoming year.
0: Okay, I was a kicker that missed two kicks in a game, first quarter albeit, but in a game that would have sent my team to the national championship. So anytime anybody goes after kickers, I have a heart for them, right? I feel (laughs) like you potentially have a heart for coaches that get unfairly judged, I would assume. Is that accurate?
6: Absolutely. It's a hard position
0: being a head coach in the NFL,
6: Hugh. It is. You wear a lot of different hats, and things have to go right. And there's a little bit of luck to that, too. Uh, But at the same time, um, he's afforded a lot of talent, and you got to find a way to get it done. I do get that. I know that's what comes with it. But to be in that game says a lot about uh, what kind of coach he is.
0: I agree completely. He's grown up in the game, been a student of the game with his dad, obviously excited to see what they do in the future. Let's pivot real quick. Dak Prescott, it is being reported that he's going to get franchise tagged down there in Dallas. Now, I'm to the understanding that he deserves a long-term contract. He's been underpaid for a long time down there in Dallas, especially with all the theatrics and dramatics that happen around the Dallas Cowboys. But with a new head coach and a potential new offense coming in there, do you think it's a smart play to see if one-year run with Mike McCarthy is a healthy fit? Or do you think they should pay this man his money?
6: I think they should pay him. And I tell you why, Pat, because they kept the offensive coordinator who watched him transcend his game this past year. Okay, And so it'd be different if that was an entirely new staff. But there are still pieces there that they're still, you know, they kept the coordinator for a reason because they really believe that him and I'm sure Dak really, you know, they worked well together. So that's the only reason why you do that for a head coach who's an offensive head coach. So I think uh, they made a decision that this guy is their future. They're trying to do everything they can to put him in the best environment so he can be all he can be. And I think this is just the other character that's out there. You might as well pay him and get it over with.
3: Coach, you were a coach who had the first overall draft pick and a coach with the Cincinnati Bengals. What's the process like when you're the number one overall draft pick team Listening to teams that want to come up and possibly give you three first rounds for the number one pick. And do you think the Cincinnati Bengals should listen or just take Burrow and and move on?
6: I think uh, the Cincinnati Bengals should take Burrow and move on. I say that for this reason. It's hard to find a quarterback in the National Football League. So you have to take the swing when it's there. And he's sitting there. The guy had a phenomenal season. He's had a phenomenal career at LSU. And he's played as well as any quarterback that's entering the draft has played um, in a long time. So I think I would be remiss if I thought that they should look at something else. I think they have still a pretty veteran team. But if you don't have that guy under center, it's going to be hard for you to win any games in the national football
0: league. Well, and also in Ohio, this is an Ohio kid. You, as a guy who's been in Cleveland and since then, knows know how big of a deal that is. I mean, Joe Burrow could be the face of that franchise for the next 15 years.
6: Oh, absolutely. And he's going to draw. The fans are going to come out. I mean, he's going to change the, the landscape of the Cincinnati Bengals, in my opinion.
0: Okay, Hugh. Uh, Tua is obviously coming fresh off of a hip surgery. He had four surgeries in two years, but still being talked about as a top three pick. Everybody thinks that somebody's going to try to get to the lion spot. Potentially the Dolphins are going to draft him and have him sit behind a quarterback. My thought has always been this. Whenever we cut Peyton Manning, we owed him like thirty million dollars or something, and he didn't know if he could still grip a football. And the lockout was happening, and Luck was sitting there. But I always thought that if Luck could sit behind Peyton for one year and watch how Peyton handled whether it was the meeting rooms or how he talked to the coaches or to the general manager, even how he handled being the boss of the team, I think that would have helped Andrew Luck, who was already great. I think that would have helped him a lot. You see Aaron Rodgers with Brett Favre, it has helped him out immensely. You see Jimmy G with Tom Brady. It has helped him out, Patrick Holmes, with Alex Smith. I think having that good veteran quarterback helps out a younger quarterback immensely. Do you see the same thing potentially happening with Tua? And do you believe in that type of system happening?
6: I totally believe in that. I think it's hard to be a first-year player out of college, come into the National Football League, be in that environment with a bunch of grown men now who jobs are on the line. They're looking to you, which you've never won a game in the league before. They understand you're talented. But they're there to win. They're not there just to be playing around. And that's a lot of pressure to put on a young player. And sometimes I think players get destroyed if you play them too soon. So if this is going to be the the most important asset in the organization, make sure you have the right plan in place for him to have long-term success. It's not about early success, but we all know early success leads to long success. So... Let's do everything we can to put him in position. And I think playing a guy too soon really hurts him.
0: Yeah, it seemed like you were kind of conflicted with that with Baker and Tyrod there whenever it happened for Baker Mayfield. It seemed like you very much wanted Baker to kind of follow in the footsteps of what Tyrod was doing, getting in early, the film study and things like that, because those are things that can really shape a player. And it almost felt like the organization and fans are potentially looking a different way. That's a, that's a very difficult decision for a coach to have to make.
6: Oh, absolutely. Uh, Tyrod was a pro. And that's who our starter was. And we had committed to him. So I couldn't go back in the locker room and say, oh, you know, we're going to go play Baker because we drafted Baker number one overall. Everybody knew we were going to take a quarterback, but everybody on the team knew who Tyrod Taylor was because he was there. He was in the offseason program. He had been to the playoffs. So you have to, as a head coach, stand for something. And I was going to stand for what I thought was right. Now I did tell Baker at some point in time, he would end up playing. I didn't know how that was going to happen. I didn't know what it was going to look like, but I just know if if it's for a player to end up playing, then that they just do. And he did, and the rest is history for him.
0: Okay, you've obviously saw Baker in his year last year was not great with Freddie Kitchens, who was your running back coach. Things kind of all went to hell in a handbasket. The most penalized team. I think in documented history of the NFL, I mean, it was all just upside down. Baker now won um, on Get Up this past week and did a media tour. Seems like he's changing a little bit. What do you think, from knowing Baker from the beginning, seeing success, and then seeing this fail this year, what do you think it's going to take for him to really get over the hump and become a premier quarterback in the NFL?
6: Well, I think uh, first, first and foremost, he's talented enough. There's no question about that. I think uh, watching his humility over the last couple of interviews he's had says a lot about him. I think he's learning and he's growing. I've always said, as a head coach in this league and as a position coach, coaching that position, this league, this league will bring you to your knees. You know, so you better understand that and understand you're not bigger than the league uh, that you're part of it. And you better make sure you do your part the right way to have success. And um, the entitlement thing doesn't work up here. So I think uh, he's understanding that and it's going to be very important you know the team that's going to be surrounding him I'm not talking about the players I'm talking about the coaches to put him in position so that he can have long-term success
0: I can't believe I didn't ask you about this the last time we had you on you were coach of Miles Garrett obviously he had an outburst out of the middle of nowhere. Everybody said it was out of character, but it was a bad look for the league, bad look for him, bad look for the Browns. He's going to come back next year. What do you expect from Miles Garrett, both as a human and a player, as he comes back on the field?
6: Miles will be very contrite about what happened. There's no question about that. That's a good but word, he, <laughs> he will be, and that's the that that's where it has to start. I really do because the act was something we had all never seen before. So he does have to go rebuild himself that way. But he's one of the most talented players and people I have ever been around. I was surprised and shocked at what happened. Um, do I think he can recover from it? Yes, I do. Uh, his talent is, is immense. Uh, but it's not going to be about his talent. It's going to be about how he handles the media and how he handles, you know, what has happened to him. You can't be bitter about it. It happened. Got to accept it and move on.
0: I can't even fathom what the meathead offensive lineman are doing. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't even fathom it.
3: Coach, you, t- you talked about drafting a quarterback number one overall and playing them early. You were with Andy Dalton. You won a lot of games with Andy Dalton. When they draft Joe Burrow number one, is there any chance Andy Dalton can be kept there, or do you think Andy has what it takes? They'll, they'll cut him and then have Andy play somewhere else.
6: Well, I think um, as an organization, this is just my opinion. I think you have to have somebody in place To play first and foremost, regardless of who you're drafting, number one, two, three, four, you know, especially at that quarterback position. You don't know if that guy is going to walk in a building and be able to handle and manage all the pressure and stress that comes with that position. Uh, College football is a little bit different than the National Football League. Now you're drafting a guy because you believe he can. But what if he can't? Now you've put your organization and a team in a situation where they can't win. So I think it's important that you have the right plan in place. I think there's a time and a place to play those guys. Some guys play early and they do well and then they fall off and they come back. Some guys don't do well early and then they understand the National Football League because they don't have that mentor that Pat talked about earlier um, out in front of them. And then all of a sudden they figure it out and they start playing. Every organization I think is different. And I think there's all kind of ways to do it. But at the same time, I would like to have a guy that's already there. Who has played that can help lead this guy through and, and have him understand what it's going to be like.
0: You need a team full of pros. Like that's the difference between is you have to have pros, right? And I think there's a difference between good football players and pros. And I think I think back to the Hard Knocks episode where Reggie Wayne was up for the Hall of Fame this year and he didn't make it. He'll make it eventually because he deserves it. not only on the field, but you know he's a stud. But I, whenever what I noticed from Reggie Wayne is. He would run extra routes before practice. After every single practice, he was on the jugs machine. And then when I watched hard knocks, you had to punish somebody by sending them to the jugs machine. Like for me, that was a big sign of the type of players that were on that team. Like it shouldn't be punishment to go to the jugs machine, that should be what you want to do. And I think it's interesting. How do you create that culture where you get a bunch of players that like want to be pros? I, I don't think I fully understand it.
6: Well, I think you said it though, Pat. I mean, that's the pros are who win. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's who wins for you. So you're, you you got to have enough of them on your team so the younger players can see what it looks like and then they will follow suit. That's when you have a really strong culture. Um, like you said, if you're making a guy go do it, you, you probably don't have the right veteran in that room. Yeah. You know, the pros, they understand in order for me to stay here and, and belong here i got to be as good as anybody playing a game, and they chase that. They may not become that, but they chase it. So you have to have enough pros that show people how to do it. Uh,
0: what the hell are you up to? Marvin Lewis just got hired uh, by the Arizona <laughs> State team. What are you doing? You Are we getting back in the game? Are we chilling? Are we selling
6: tequila? Well, uh, we was selling tequila for sure. <laughs> before. I, am, I am itching to be back in a game. Uh, I want that opportunity again. There's no question. I mean, I think we've seen – uh, this cycle of hiring and how it's been and i'm not even talking about even a head coaching job just overall period so um you know you got to wait your time i guess that's what they say you know and hey, i'm not you. a very patient person but we'll figure it out as we go
0: hold on let's talk about this because this is a big deal eric p offense coordinator of one of the most talented offenses to ever grace our nfl didn't get a head coaching gig Right, didn't get a head coaching gig, and mm-hmm. I asked, and I even said it. And this might be me being a stupid white guy, very naive. I said, "How the hell is this guy not gonna get a coach?" And everybody's like, "Well, obviously, there is one certain X factor that you will not mention, and it's this Rooney Rule, which Roger Goodell had to have had to re—they have to reconsider. How do they fix that? And is that something that in 2020 we shouldn't even be talking about? Like, what the?
6: I, I, you, you just said it. The fact that we're even talking about a Rooney Rule tells you that we're still not where we need to be. You know, that's first and foremost. My question to you, Pat, I'm going to give you some information. Do you know how many minority offensive head coaches there's been in the 100 year history of the league? No. Five. Oh, my God. Do you know how many minority head coaches there's been overall offensively or defensively in the 100 year history of the league? 15. 18.
0: I was close though. I mean, I
6: was good... so, <laughs> that is sad so though. That is a point sad, is, sad, sad step. We, we talk about it a lot, but I, I think people got to dig deeper and to find where the answers are. Because in the National Football League, in my opinion, it's been going on for 100 years, nothing's changed. So, and the league is still growing, it's still getting better, still making a lot of money. I know the people say the color is, is, is white and it's black. No, it's not, it's green. And that's what everybody got to understand. I mean, because the league is growing. So everybody said, why do we need to change everything? Why do we need to fix this? Well, there's a diversity issue that's been there for a long time. And so in order to fix it, you have to get with the people who make the decisions. You have to make sure the owners understand everything that goes on. There's a diversity report that comes out every year. I never knew this until since I've been out of football. And people need to look at that and find out what's in that report. I think a lot of people will be shocked.
0: You I can't wait to see you get back into the game. We got to get to a break. I can't thank you enough for joining us. I'm going to drink the hell out of your tequila. You're the best.
6: Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Attention. Don't skip ahead. Okay. I have an important question to ask you. When was the last time you were driving through a storm and thought, wow, I love not being able to see a damn thing when I drive. You probably haven't. Now, driving in bad weather doesn't have to be a headache or a nuisance, thanks to the new Michelin Endurance XT silicone wiper blades. These blades last through everything. To prove it, Michelin just put their new Endurance XT silicone wiper blades to the test on a world-record-breaking 16,000-mile drive from Alaska to motherfucking Argentina. To show just how durable these blades are. Rainier Zeitlow was the man behind the wheel, and when he gets behind the wheel, this means business. He was the man behind the wheel, and he put the Michelin Endurance XT silicone wiper blades through ice, snow, rain, thunder, and wind, and the blades took all of it. These blades are crafted for extreme weather performance with an advanced quad-tech four-layer coated silicone that repels water, snow, and ice, and lasts two times longer than other blades. The Michelin Endurance XT silicone wiper blades are real world proven for extreme weather performance. Upgrade to the Michelin Endurance XT silicone wiper blades today only at Walmart. Only at Walmart. Game changer man, 2020 out there. There was something that kicked off this Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade today that I don't think I've ever seen in my entire life at a victory celebration. Just about an hour ago. Now, this is supposed to start at 1130, I believe, which is an hour from now. About an hour ago, two hours before the parade was set to kick off on the parade route, a car was in the middle of a police chase and got pit maneuvered. This is straight out of a movie. It's real life. The car had four police officers following it at about the speed of five miles an hour (laughs) with roughly 2,000 people scattered around the parade route. They're driving right down the parade route. They pit maneuver a Ford Taurus. It starts smoking as if it's GTA, and then there's cops surrounding this, all the while drunk Kansas City Chiefs fans are just watching in awe of what the hell just happened. So congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs for winning the Super Bowl for the first time in 50 years. Congrats, congratulations to Kansas City, Missouri, for getting to host a statewide party, and congrats. To the Kansas City Chiefs for having a police chase end in the middle of their Super Bowl parade because that is something that will probably never happen again. I don't even know how you get in there. It's gated off. This guy had to do real work. He was evading police officers. I mean, this is just a wild scene in the middle
3: of Kansas City. Who would have thought Alex Smith would have drove a Ford Taurus?
0: (laughs) A lot of people say it's either Bosa, Kyle Shanahan. Uh, Alex Smith, you name it. I'm happy for the Kansas City Chiefs fans getting a little wild this morning and forgetting that they're not supposed to go down this, the parade route. The team is supposed to go down. An easy mistake there whenever you're drunken in a Ford Taurus at 9 a.m.
1: You're right, though. How does that happen? Isn't like the entire city shut down for something like that? You would think.
0: I have no idea how it happens. I love that it did.
1: Nobody yeah, goes. it's incredible. incredible.
0: Nobody got hurt, it looks like. <laughs>
3: Probably he, fake credentials.
0: This is straight out of a movie, though. This this this, this, this dude popped over the curb, threw some grass, and then gets in the middle of the. He's just getting beat up by four. Oh, this is beautiful. Today Hello. is going to be a wild day. The Lombardi Luge. Shout out to Travis Kelsey in the Kansas City Chiefs for doing something with the Lombardi that should have been happening a long time ago. In the NFL, when you win the Lombardi, there's a lot of kissing of the Lombardi. There's a lot of hoisting of the Lombardi. There's a lot of praising of the Lombardi. But unlike the Stanley Cup, which becomes a massive character in of itself we saw with Ovechkin in Pittsburgh I was very lucky to be a part of like 45 Stanley Cup wins which is why Pittsburgh is the real hockey Uh, town (laughs) Stanley Cup Mr. Lord Stanley would bounce around from bar to bar as if it was its own human hey Lord Stanley's coming in open up a table let's get some brews and booze for Lord Stanley Cup Stanley would come dancing in with either a Russian or a Canadian behind it and it would get beers dumped in it it would get dumped off the balcony into people's mouths i mean the stanley cup becomes mm-hmm. this thing of itself in celebration the fact that travis kelsey figured out a way to turn the lombardi into a party i absolutely love it i'm very thankful for travis kelsey creating the lombardi luge and utilizing it in a beautiful fashion to chug beers and make the lombardi a lot more than just a trophy piece it is now a character in the party and that's what i'm here for
3: yeah maybe they should have make the football at the top, should be come off halfway so that they could pour stuff in it and eat cereal out of it, just like they do with the Stanley Cup. It'd
0: be cool if you could make that thing like a bong, you know? Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, and I guess it depends on sure, wh- where you're from. They uh, Now, I'm not talking about a vitamin bong. I'm talking about, I guess in some parts of the world, they call it a funnel, like yep. a beer funnel. Don't Those like people that. are wrong, by mm-hmm. the way. You are, you are 100% wrong. <laughs> I understand, though, that that's what you call it. Just like the people that call cornhole bags, you're wrong, but it's it's completely pop is pop, it's not soda. I mean, there's a lot of things that we can go on and on about, but a beer bong, a beer funnel if somehow the Lombardi could, like, maybe you could fill up the football on the top and then release a hole out the bottom. Now we're talking about the Shield really buying into the fact that it's a celebration. <laughs> there's a
3: lot of pressure on Travis Kelsey today. Jason Kelsey dominated the Eagles parade.
0: I know, I'm worried. I'm worried about it because <laughs> he's going to have to one up that, right? Like, let's assume that those brothers vote both very successful, both both very talented. They're probably very competitive with each other. Travis Kelsey's going to give a speech today at some point. And it's going to be judged against his brothers. That's just how it's going to go. I think he's already beating his brother, by the way. He started the Lombardi Luge. He had that epic speech up on the uh, stage after winning the AFC Championship. You got to fight. They didn't give him any time, but he got in uh, in five seconds. He got the entire stadium to cheer alongside him. Now he's going to have to give a speech in front of the entire state that already has had a police chase in it. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be an epic day for Travis Kelsey, but he's going to be judged against his brother immediately.
1: I mean, if he's smart, just. Load up the beer luge. Just do that like a hundred times up there. People will go nuts.
0: Absolutely. I mean, those those videos of Gronk catching beers shirtless in, in Boston and just absolutely housing them. I mean, that that is something that I do have a little bit of regret is that I never got to be a part of a Super Bowl parade. Yeah,
3: you would have done quite well. Oh, I think so. <laughs> I think so. Back in the day, that would have been fantastic.
0: Let's get to um, teams that are in the top 10 drafting this year, okay? 49ers were the second pick of the draft last year. So although they lost the Super Bowl, let's remember that one year ago today the san francisco 49ers were a team that everybody talked about being atrocious they were a team that two years ago going into the season they had a quarterback in jimmy g that was brought out there was undefeated they were being talked about as being this all-time great team ready to make a run jimmy g in the third week zigs instead of zags tears his acl they stink completely number two overall pick They obviously pick up Bosa. This year they become an absolute buzzsaw until they run into the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl and lose. Next year, which team that is drafting in the top 10 could potentially go on the run like the Niners did. Let's go through it. Cincinnati Bengals are going to draft Joe Burrow. Although all the conversation right now is whether or not the Bengals will trade Joe Burrow or the pick to, to somebody else to pick up other first round draft picks. I think they'll draft Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow will make their team automatically better. I think Joe Burrow will probably win six, seven, maybe eight games. Cincinnati Bengals are in a very difficult division. Lamar Jackson is still there. Ben Roethlisberger's coming back. The Browns, if they could ever get it together are there, it's going to be a tough Sliding there for rookie Joe Burrow But I think they'll be better I don't think they'll be the 49ers though Redskins, pick number two. Nobody has a clue what's going to happen there. They were giving people fits the second half of the season with Dwayne Haskins at quarterback. We talked to Ron Rivera just two weeks ago. He said Alex Smith, who was a great mentor to Patrick Mahomes, is allegedly coming back and he's going to be healthy. Those two will compete for the starting job. But if anybody has any interest in Alex Smith, I assume they will take that, let him go, get some other picks. I don't think the Redskins will make a run just strictly because they're the Redskins and Ron Rivera can't be a magician so quickly. I think they win games, I don't think they become the Niners. The Lions... Matt Patricia, friend of the show. Matt Patricia, friend of the show. We like Matt Patricia a lot. But it just seems as if something in Detroit is always amiss and that it's going to be very difficult and tough sledding to get any wins there, especially with Aaron Rodgers still in town. Kirk Cousins is still in town. And whatever the Bears are going to do, let's assume that they're on.
3: It's hard to picture the Lions.
0: Number four, the Giants. I think this team could potentially be the team that makes a run next year. One of them. I don't think they're the only ones in the top 10 picking in the top 10 that could potentially make a run next year but the Giants have an incredible running back in Saquon Barkley they have a very young quarterback and if Joe Judge is worth a single damn as a head coach they could potentially make a run especially in an NFC East that does not have all the answers figured out around the division the Dolphins I think the Dolphins are going to be better I don't think the Dolphins are going to go on the 49er run I think they're about two years out from that the Chargers Diggs likes this team mm-hmm. to go on a run if they can get a quarterback maybe they get Alex Smith. Maybe they get Cam Newton. Maybe they get Tom Brady. If they do that, Whole different ball game, but in my eyes, unless they can secure a top quarterback, I'm not 100% sure they can go on a run. Carolina, I think Matt Rule, it's going to take a couple years, although I like Christian McCaffrey. The Arizona Cardinals, now there's a team that was giving people a lot of heartache. They were breaking hearts and breaking dreams towards the end of the season. Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury were starting to figure it out. Will Kyler Murray get better this offseason, or will he relax this offseason? That's the biggest question. Experience comes some wisdom, which could potentially come some contentment If that happens to Kyler Murray, I'm not 100% sure. Big question mark, especially with the division they're in. Very good team surrounding them. Jacksonville, nobody knows. (laughs) Nobody knows what's going to happen to them. And for me, the team. I don't want to do this. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) The team that is picking in the top 10 of the NFL draft that is going to go on a run next year. It may be potentially scorch earth next year. The team that is going to have a massive come-up. Oh, I don't want to say it. The Cleveland Browns. (laughs) (laughs) Okay? The Cleveland Browns they were coached this year by a guy that shouldn't be coaching a JV team Okay, he was a great positional coach but there was no reason in hell that Freddie Kitchens was a head coach especially to a team that had that many personalities that many egos and that many potential problems Freddie Kitchens was not the right hire I think everybody realized that including the Cleveland Browns who have fired their 45th coach in like 7 years or whatever so he's out they bring in a Harvard guy Stefanski they bring in Andrew Berry as general manager who I know who is a very very impressive human being they're changing the culture as much as they possibly can if Baker Mayfield who everybody's saying is maturing and changing can somehow have a great offseason become a better quarterback if Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham can figure out how to buy into the system that Stefanski's putting in there they have two very good running backs if they can shore up that offensive line with a 10th pick maybe maybe get an offensive lineman maybe something else and with that defense with Miles Garrett the human who took the helmet off of a another professional athlete, and hit him with it. And that defense can come back hungry. I think the Cleveland Browns, just like last year I said this, the Cleveland Browns are the team that can absolutely go on a run next year like the 49ers did, in an AFC that's probably going to be dominated by Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, who's in their own division. I think they have enough weapons that they could potentially keep up with the good teams of the AFC, or they could be a complete dumpster fire because they're the Cleveland Browns. It's one that it's either the Giants or the Browns in my eyes, or the Chargers if they can get a quarterback. But aside from that, this could potentially be the Browns team. To get a run.
1: Do you think they're going to shop OBJ or do you think he's going to stay put? I have no idea what the Browns are going to do, man.
0: It's a lot of money to OBJ, right? Mm -hmm. I would assume Andrew Barry is going to take some phone calls with people who need a weapon Mm -hmm. and need a weapon quick. The Green Bay Packers need a weapon. Bad. Is Aaron Rodgers the right guy to kind of you know keep OBJ uh, a little bit more focused, maybe a little bit more dialed in? I would assume so. I would assume he would appreciate and respect Aaron Rodgers. I think LaFleur's offense could utilize another weapon. Devontae Adams Lazard was good this year. Maybe get a tight end. They already got Aaron Jones at running back. Maybe OBJ to Green Bay is the right move. I'm sure Andrew Barry will take calls, but in my eyes i still think with that defense the browns have the the -hmm. the stable of running backs and baker jarvis and whether they have odell or not i think they could potentially make a run next year but they're the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> they are the Cleveland Browns. So it's the Giants or Browns in my eyes. Chargers, if they can secure a big-time quarterback. Other than that, I don't think anybody else in the top ten that's drafting can make a real run like the
3: 49ers. No, it doesn't look like it. And the reason why I went with Chargers is because they have weapons. They have Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen. They have Mike Williams. They have to sign Hunter Henry. Uh, they have Eckler at running back. And then on defense, Adrian Phillips and Derwin James were out the entire season. Yep. hurt. Also, and then they have Melvin have Gordon, He's a free agent. Oh, they're not going to pay him. Probably not. He's they got both and Ingram on defense. I just like the pieces. If, it, all, it all relies on who they get a quarterback. If they secure a quarterback.
0: Yeah. That is 100% the move. And they're picking sixth, which is too far down to secure one of the top-tier quarterbacks. Unless they make a move and move up. Everybody thinks the Dolphins are going to try to trade with the Lions. They're going to try to get up there to get uh, Tua to sit for a year behind Ryan Fitzpatrick, which would be a brilliant move, by the way. And Ryan Fitzpatrick at any given moment can win you nine, ten games. Yep. But I'm not sure they're going to make the run to the Super Bowl next year. I think they're in building, but I don't think it's next year. I just think the, the Browns or the, or, or the Giants could
3: potentially. One of the questions from other shows this morning was, should the Dolphins not move up to three, move up to one with three first-round draft picks to get Burrow?
0: And if you're Cincinnati Bengals and you're getting three first-round draft picks— Do you bite on that? Keep Andy Dalton for one more year, build it up, and hope that you can fall into the Trevor Lawrence lottery. I have no idea. I think Joe Burrow is the face of that franchise, the Ohio kid who has done nothing but win, win, win in the last year. A guy who has the swagger and the confidence to take on the challenge that is the Cincinnati Bengals organization. If you trade out of there and you just get a little bit nosy with those first-round draft picks. The grass isn't always greener on the other sides, my friends. Mm -mm. But three first-round draft picks (laughs) is very nice to have at one point. Remember, the Rams got it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And the Rams went ahead and built just an absolute monster of a team because RG3 to the Redskins. I don't know, man. I don't know. Three first-round picks is a lot. It's tempting, but. Are the Dolphins going to go get Joe Burrow?
2: Nope. Two is our guy. Whoa.
0: (laughs) Whoa. Sorry to interrupt. There's this guy in Philadelphia that I've been hearing about for years, and I've been telling you all about his diamonds. If you've ever been to Philly, you've seen it on the billboards, you've heard it on the radio, I hate Steven Singer. He's been making it too easy to buy gifts for over four decades. Valentine's Day is here. You're probably thinking, I'll just get her flowers again, but flowers die and end up in the trash can within a week. Everybody knows that. Give her a gift that lasts as long as you love. A real 24 karat gold-dipped rose from Steven Singer Jewelers. Picture it. A real long rose... Long stem rose, preserved and dipped in 24 karat pure gold. This real rose will last forever and comes with a lifetime guarantee. Shipped for free in a beautiful gift box with your own personalized message of love. Hi, baby. Here's a rose dipped in gold because not only is it jewelry, and not only is it flashy like my heart does whenever it sees you, but it's also flowers, which are a significant display of love. It's a win-win. And the flower will never die. So even if she doesn't have a green thumb or a black thumb like uh, my fiance does, flowers don't last long around here. Okay? Doesn't matter because these ones don't wilt or die. And you can write your own personalized message of love. Hello, romantic king for this Valentine's Day. This year, first, Stephen Signature's Red Rose is a classic and only 59 bucks. Go online to ihateStevensinger.com, click on the roses, and become a hero this Valentine's Day. That's ihateStevensinger.com. Stephen Singer Jewelers, one place, one price. And that's Stephen with a V. ihateStevensinger.com. Let's get to some news from Nick.
2: Uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2020 was announced this weekend, and it's taken us till Wednesday to get to talk about it. Is there a reason? that
0: <laughs> Congratulations to Edron James, uh, Colts running back legend, one of the first guests on our show. Whenever we retired, makes it into the Hall of Fame. Finally, there's a lot of conversation about who deserves to go in, who doesn't deserve to go in. Edron James on the field, absolute terror for his opponents. Edron James off the field, one of the most hilarious humans of all time. They had a preseason game scheduled to be in Japan or something along yeah. those lines in the taxing and everything like that. It would have been like an, a week long trip with all this stuff. And, uh, Bill Polian came out, I guess, and said that nobody's allowed to be injured. Right. Cause Edron James and the boys, I guess, came out and said that they had pulled their hamstrings or something. They couldn't go on the trip to Japan. They're very sorry or whatever. And this became like quite a little situation here in Indianapolis between the reporters, the team talking about going to Japan and all that stuff. And, uh, Edron James said something about like, uh, The closest I'm going to get to Japan is... uh uh, pf chang <laughs> in an actual interview then fast forward edge ended up going they just sat they didn't play at all it was a massive thing i'm sure he was happy to go but at the time edron james if he was around during the social media era he would be one of the favorite football players on mm-hmm. earth just a hilarious individual good guy and now he's a businessman and he has an adult uh, gentleman's uh, ballet down in miami never ever changed edger and james never ever changed refused to change to try to get in the hall of fame he gets his hall of fame bid i'm very happy for him very happy for cower very happy for jimmy johnson very happy for um
3: go ahead say steve it. atwater steve
0: atwater isaac bruce steve isaac hutchinson. bruce greatest show on turf very happy for him steve hutchinson all these guys very 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 happy for
3: them what about friend of the show who's that troy paul Molle.
0: troy paul <laughs> is the definition of a first ballot Hall of Famer, okay? Troy Polamalu is a guy who when he was on a field, you had to watch. He was Lamar Jackson, but on the defensive side of the ball. Whenever the Pittsburgh Steelers were playing, now I grew up in Pittsburgh, so I was obviously forced to watch him play with my father being a diehard fan and Pittsburgh being a diehard fan and them having a lot of success. But I think even if you weren't in Pittsburgh, watching the Pittsburgh Steelers play when Troy Polamalu was on the field was must-see television because he didn't play by the rules. He played by no rules. He had a feel for the game that nobody else knew about. He had this instinct and a sense of what was going to happen before it was going to happen. There's legendary videos of him predicting what the snap count's going to be there's legendary videos of him timing things up perfectly and then there's obviously one night in pittsburgh pennsylvania where he ruined one child from pittsburgh's dreams there's one night in pittsburgh where troy palomalu decided that a kid who grew up in the east hills of pittsburgh will never ever get a chance to fulfill his lifelong football dreams which is score a touchdown in the nfl and for that reason that's why we haven't talked about troy (laughs) palomalu going into the the hall of fame because those were my dreams that he ruined that was my life he decided to poop on that was my evening in front of my friends and family on national television where i was supposed to score a touchdown but instead troy paul decided to do something he had never ever done before and just line up right in the gap where i was supposed to walk into the end zone making a shift to the short side of the field which has never happened Happen, and for that I will forever remember Troy Polamalu as being a very mean person.
3: Congrats I thinking, to him, though. I was thinking about how, <laughs> when you were talking about Troy and how... Pro Football Focus grades. Like, good luck trying to grade him. Like, you had no idea what he was supposed to be doing.
0: And I said this on Rich Eisen show because, you know, I was named punter of the decade. by Pro Football Focus, the first ever punter of the decade. There will be other punters of the decade. They will all be trying to chase my title. I, I very much understand. And Pro Football Focus, a lot of people dock them because they are a group of humans who watch every single play a person has and scores them. And they're most diligent whenever it comes to rating. The AP gives out the all pro, but those are mostly just media writers. who pick fan favorites for things. Now, granted, those are good players, and good players become fan favorites, but in positions like punters and kickers, a lot of the writers have no idea what they're looking at. So for pro football focus, whenever I would get a good grade from them, I appreciated it, and I I very much, because they look at every single thing. Now, what people say is for pro football focus that whenever they judge a defensive play and they score everybody either plus one or minus one for every single play, they have no idea what everybody's roles are for certain plays. Like, you don't know if a safety is supposed to help out a corner, if a safety was supposed to stay in the middle. So you can't really tell if a defensive end was supposed to go or hold. Like, it's hard to score people when you don't know exactly what they're supposed to do. For kickers and punters, though, it's very easy Mm -hmm. to tell what we're supposed to do, okay? It's very easy to score. You either did your job right, they didn't get a return, or you didn't do your job right. And uh, being the pro football focus... Punter of the decade is a big deal for me Because it is something that they've looked into And they scored properly But you're 100% right How would they be able to judge Troy Polamalu And Malu in what he was supposed to do How about the other safety that was on the field with him yeah. How about the other safety that was on the field with him Is he supposed to make up for Troy He didn't know Troy was going to go do that Like it would be very difficult to do that And he was a guy that broke the mold at football He was a guy who was a superstar And for me he's a guy that I'll forever remember For taking a moment away from me and my parents Me and my family In Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania
3: if we, if we ever talk to your get-up friend Ryan Clark, it would be interesting to ask him that. Like, were you supposed to make up for Troy or? You're like, did you know what he was going to do?
0: Because we thought we knew what he was going to do, and then he did the complete opposite, and he ruined my life. And he did that to a lot of other NFL quarterbacks like myself. Yeah, yeah. So I I, I stand in good company there. Anything else, Nick?
2: Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars are set to play back-to-back home games in Wembley Stadium in London in the year 2020.
0: So the way they word that their home games is very interesting. I guess that's the color of the jersey they'll wear, but that is not a home game. That is actually the furthest thing away (laughs) from a home game that is possible in the NFL for Jacksonville. Now, I understand. Understand that their owner owns the stadium that they're going to play in so I guess that can be considered a home game and I assume they've built up quite a little fan base because they're over there the most often but that is not a Jacksonville Jaguars fan base over there that is not a Jacksonville Jaguars opponent fan base over there that is an American sports fan base over there you got people wearing every jersey from every single NFL team and games over there you got people wearing basketball jerseys over there it's a celebration it's a beautiful thing I'm thankful that they're getting games in London and bringing them in I don't think it's possible to have a team over there it's Thanks for Jacksonville Jaguars players that have to go over there for two weeks. I'm sure they'll make the most of it and enjoy it and all that stuff. But for the season ticket holders in Jacksonville, all four thousand of them, <laughs> this is definitely something that is a sad situation.
3: Are we hammering uh, whoever? We're hammering the Jags the week two game. That yeah, they're there? for sure, for sure.
0: Or they want to get home and they don't huh. care. You know what I mean? The thing is, it's a we're a routine world. Every human that comes on the show and even me that football players are routine humans. Their life is boot camp, okay? At this time, you do this. At this time, you do this. At this time, you do this. You sleep at this time. You wake up. You do this. And then offseason, it's like, all right, what do we do for the next two months? We don't know. And then you get back. It's like, all right, you have meeting this time, lift this time, this time, this time. Everything's routine, routine, routine. And then you go to England, and there's a lot of opportunity to go do things. You can get on a train and go to Paris. Go shop mm-hmm. in Paris. You can do this. You can do that. So it kind of breaks routine a little bit. It's like a bowl game. I would, I would assume that the Jacksonville Jaguars, that second game, are going to be a hammerable offense. I, I believe that's mm-hmm. probably the right move. Nobody knows who their quarterback's going to be, though. No. No. Nobody has a clue and how many more um, fines or whatever will the NFLPA have to institute the Jacksonville Jaguars? It might and-
3: not even be the two quarterbacks that they have on the roster. Exactly.
0: nobody knows. Nobody has a clue. Garden Minshew is in an RV right now. <laughs> okay, those things are dangerous. We were in an RV in oh. the middle of the 8500, almost died. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows what's going to happen. But good for the Jacksonville Jaguars, good for England. Stinks for their season ticket holders. Every single Jacksonville Jaguars ticket holder is getting screwed here out of two games. They had to tarp off the entire entire top.
2: Uh, Chiefs punter Dustin Colquitt wins his family's fourth Super Bowl ring. He's the third member of his family to win a ring with his brother and father with the Steelers and Broncos back in the day. That
0: family pops out of the womb punting balls. Dustin Colquitt and his brother Britton. Anytime you need to see, like, perfect form on something, you just watch them. The uncle's very good. I mean, I'm happy for old Dustin Colquitt. 15 years he's with the Ken Jeez, 15 years. A lot of bad years in there. Stuck it through. Became a monster. Still a great punter. Had a 50-yard punt for his first punt, which hammered the over, the 45-and-a-half-yard punt. Wins a Super Bowl. I'm happy for him. I'm excited to see him and his 75 children <laughs> enjoy the hell out of today's Super Bowl parade. All right, I can't thank you all enough. I can't thank you all enough. Today, if I were you, I would go check out our YouTube, youtube youtube.com forward slash the Pat McAfee show, and look for the video that we dropped this morning, the documentary about redemption for Evan Foxy, and drop your cash tag, which is from Cash App in the comments section, and potentially win some money from our $2,000 giveaway that we're doing because Evan Foxy, hit rock bottom, but shot his way out of it. All right, have a great day. We'll see you, Mignogna attachment. Please play some independent music.
5: i